He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Let your rain fall on us. Let the rain of your word, the rain of your spirit, fall upon our parched and thirsty souls. Let refreshing come from the presence of God in accordance with your promise. For you said that you will come as the former rain and the latter rain, O God. Let seeds be germinated. Righteous seeds, godly seeds in our lives as your word goes forth. I pray, O God, fill this vessel with your Holy Spirit. Use this vessel in a way that you want to. Let strongholds of the enemy come tumbling down because of the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Thank you for your grace upon this vessel. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to speak to you about a woman's godly weapons. A woman's godly weapons. Now, weapons are for war. And there's a popular saying that life is war. Life is not a party, often. <laughs> life is not a feast. Life is a war. And I believe that's why Paul said to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. There are certain bad fights. Not every fight is good. And many of us, we get embroiled in bad fights. But I came this morning to show you how to channel your energies to a good fight. So that the end will be good. Amen. Many times in the world, if you look at the Iraqi war, the, the weapons they use, card missiles, what else? Recognizance missiles to go and see what is happening and then come back. The Patriot missile, bombs, these are the things. And they look very powerful. But God gives us as Christians certain weapons. And often, we don't see them as weapons, and we don't use them in our fights. So I just want to go through a few of God's weapons with you. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Are you there? We'll read Matthew 5.41 as well, but Romans chapter 12. I don't think I have much time, but I'll try. Romans twelve twenty one. No, let's read from verse nineteen. No, let's read from verse seventeen. <laughs> Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If it be possible. 
As much as lies within in your power, be at peace with some men, with nice men, with good men, with all men. Verse 19. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, insult him, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him vinegar. Give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Many times, if your enemy is hungry, you rejoice. If your enemy is thirsty, you wish him ill. If your enemy needs any help, you don't even want to think about it. But the Bible says, as much as lies within your power. So this morning, we are going to talk about what lies within your power. There are some things that are outside your power. Sometimes you try to love some people. But they still make their faces. They still have some walking. And you don't have to change, but you cannot change them. Amen. But the Bible is telling us what lies within our power. And it says that avenge not yourself or don't take revenge into your own hands. Human nature likes revenge. That's why when you watch a film and the wicked man is killed, you feel very satisfied. <sighs> He's been punished. Fully and amply, you know, and even the world knows morality because even in worldly films, every time the good guy wins and the bad guy loses, you know. But when you get into a battle or a relationship challenge or whatever it is that makes you, that creates enemies for us, the Bible is saying that. Do not be overcome with evil. But often, we are overcome with evil. And he's saying that, don't fight fire for fire. He says, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil. It means conquer, win over evil with good. But that's not the way of the world. Often, that's not what the world teaches you. It's like, if somebody has done wrong to you, multiply by thousand and give it back to him. Amen. And we all have that sense of injustice in us. And we often try to bring justice to the situation. And if we feel cheated, we fight our own battles by rearranging things. We feel cheated, we won't mind you again. And often as women, even now things are unspoken but more lethal. <laughs> Amen. It's not the words. Sometimes the people who are more demonstrative are less destructive. But the ones like Absalom who say no, nothing, no good and no bad, be careful. It's not easy. And as we walk on in life, we will have many opportunities to be offended. You have many opportunities that you would want to straighten the person out, deal with the person. Lady Pastor, leave me to tell him a thing or two. A thing or two. 
But usually you, you tell a thing of, or, or ten, or ten. It's not really a thing or two. Hallelujah. But God is teaching us that he's providing certain weapons. And that is good to overcome evil. The Bible says, do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Because it's very difficult to think that good can conquer evil. It's not something that, you know, you feel that when you forgive people, they become worse. And when you let them off the hook, they don't learn their lesson. So you play God that I must teach them a thing or two so that they will change. Amen. But do not be overcome with evil. Overcome evil with good. Let's go to First Samuel and I'll teach you how to overcome evil with good. First Samuel. That's our first weapon. That's the weapon of love and forgiveness. Most of you, your weapons are shouting, insulting, throwing your hands, pointing the finger, slander, slandering people, destroying them with your words and your mouth because they've done something wrong to you. But God says, let me show you a better way. First Samuel chapter 24. It's quite a long story, but we'll see what the Lord will do. First Samuel chapter 24. Reading from verse 1. Now it came about when Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines. He was told saying, behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David. 3,000 men to seek one man. And not just men, soldiers. Seasoned soldiers because Saul was a great warrior. To pursue one person. What is your strength pitched against 3,000 men? It's not easy. And sometimes the issues that come against us are like 3,000 armed men. And you stand alone and you look, you say, hey, the enemy is formidable. How am I going to overcome this enemy? To seek David and his men. Verse 3, and he came to the sheepfolds on the way where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. I don't know why they told us all this. <laughs> now David and his men were sitting in the inner recesses of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Behold, this is the day of which the Lord said to you. We begin to spiritualize it, to give a word of prophecy. This is the day of which the Lord said to you. You see, as Christians, we like to give spiritual flavor to things so that we will tell our conscience, Oh, it's just something spiritual. So when you finish your salacious gossip, then you say, let's pray for her. Let's pray for the kingdom of God. You know, things are not really like you see. So that, behold the Lord. If you are doing something, do it, but don't bring God into it. Amen. The Lord, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I'm about to give your enemy into your hand. And you shall do to him as it seems good to you. They are quoting, misquoting of scripture, misinterpretation of scripture. They say, oh, you know, it's true that the Bible says love your enemies, but whom the Lord loves, he also chastens. Are you the person's father? And do to him as seems good to you. Then David arose and cut off the edge of Saul's robe secretly. 
the council affected David. They said, this is the day you've been looking for. It's time to rise up and kill this man. Can't you see God has brought him? These are Christians. These are people chosen by God, but they are giving you advice. That seems plausible and reasonable. So he said to his men, far be it from me because of the Lord. Not because of Saul, but because of the Lord. The reason why we choose the weapons that we use to overcome these things is because of the Lord. Not because of the enemy. Not because of the situation. Not because of the person, but because of the Lord. Amen. Because of the Lord. Far be it from me. Because of the Lord. Where is it? No, no, that's verse 6. Okay, verse 5. And it came about afterward that David's conscience bothered him because he had cut off the edge of Saul's robe. So he said to his men, Far be it from me because of the Lord that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. David was a man who knew God and was able to rightly divide the word of God. The Bible says, Study to show yourself approved of God. A workman doth needeth not to be ashamed. But many of us, we don't study to show ourselves approved. And so we divide the word of God anyhow. Even that's not what God said. <laughs> and David persuaded his men, verse 7, with these words, and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. And Saul arose and left the cave and went on his way. Now afterward, David arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, saying, my Lord, the King. Most of us would have said, foolish man. Stupid man. Fighting with our own words. My Lord, the King. Hmm. May the Lord help you. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the ground and prostrated himself. Humility in his walk of love. Humility. Why do you bow and prostrate against somebody who wants to kill you? And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men? <laughs> Saying, behold, David seeks to harm you. Behold, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord has given you today into my hand in the cave. And some said to kill you, but my eye had pity on you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Do you know that your brothers and sisters are also the Lord's anointed? Do you know the Bible says that we are all joint parts of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And that when you don't descend the Lord's body, you can even fall sick and die. That was the communion. And it's also the same, not descending the, God's, the Lord's body. This one is just a toe in the body. So I can just treat it anyhow. No, you can't. It is the Lord's anointed. Amen. Now my father, see, verse 11. Now see the edge of your robe in my hand. For in that I cut off the edge of your rope and did not kill you, you know and perceive that there's no evil or rebellion in my hands, and I have not sinned against you, though you are lying in wait for my life to take it. So David saw Saul's schemes. He didn't say, oh, it's not true. You know, Saul is really a saint. Saul is really innocent. He said, my father, why are you pursuing me? He, had, he tried to appeal to his conscience. What have I done that you are now following me like this? But I got you, you know, but my eye had pity on you. He told him clearly. <laughs> and I said, I will not stretch out. Now my father, see. See the edge of your robe in my hand. Look at the evidence. It's conclusive. 
For in that I cut off the edge of your robe and did not kill you, know and perceive that there's no evil of and we've read that. May the Lord judge between you and me. David is allowing God to be God. He's allowing God to take vengeance. May the Lord judge between you and me. And may the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you. But many of us, after we say may the Lord, then we take on the battle ourselves. <laughs> may the Lord is just a figure of speech. But in reality, we fight ourselves. So if she has destroyed me, I will also destroy her. If she has slandered me, I will also slander her. If my pastor has offended me, I will also become some way. A tooth for a tooth and an eye for an eye. Hmm. Verse 14, after whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom are you pursuing? A dead dog or a single fly? The Lord therefore be judged. You see, he keeps calling God to be judged, calling God to avenge, calling God to take control. The Lord therefore be judged and decide between you and me. May, and may he see and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. The battle is the Lord's not yours. And the reason why you are agitated and so worked up is because you have taken on the battle fully and you are not able to fight too. Your weapons don't win. Don't you see you are always losing? Don't you see you end up being bitter and affect other people? Don't you see that when God fights for you, the battle is smoother? Verse 16, now it came about when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, that Saul said, is this your voice, my son David? Then Saul lifted up his voice and wept. The Bible says you shall heap coals of fire on your enemy's head when you do what is right. When you love the unlovable. It says love your enemies. There are four categories of people. Do good to them that hate you. So you have to categorize them. Number one is enemies. And then he tells you what to do. Love them. Number two, those that hate you. Say do good to them that hate you. Number three, those that curse you, bless them that curse you. It's not easy. Somebody is standing there cursing you. It shall never be well with you. God will destroy you. They say, oh, I bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious. It's not easy. You want to face fire with fire. Am I being real here this morning? And he says, pray for them that despitefully use you. God knew that these four categories of people will always be in your life. And you will also be these four categories depending on the season of your life. Hallelujah. So don't look so holier than thou. You know, as for me, every time people are coming against me, but I don't fall in these four categories. You do. You also sometimes despitefully use people. But Saul lifted up his voice and wept because coals of fire. Can you imagine if coals of fire are put on your head? You will become agitated. You will be burning. <laughs> Something terrible will happen to you. So your life has been saved. Why are you weeping? I didn't do any evil to you. Why are you lifting up your voice? Because the weapons are effective. And the weapon of love is working. Hallelujah. The weapon of good is overcoming evil. And then now, as the coals of fire are being poured on his head, look at what he says. And he said to David, you are more righteous than I. That's why self-confession. Nobody has said anything. You are more righteous than I. Your enemies will start to proclaim things about themselves. Almost self-confession. You are more righteous than I. Mercy. For you have dealt well with me. 
while I have dealt wickedly with you. I tell you, the weapon of love brings out confessions and things that people would not normally say. So I, you have dealt well with me. You have spared my life. Whilst I have dealt wickedly with you. So who is in charge now? Is it the enemy who is in charge or the one who walked in love? Our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty. Hallelujah. And you have declared today that you have done good to me, that the Lord delivered me into your hand, and yet you did not kill me. Saul is overwhelmed. Now he's talking. Nobody has prodded him. Nobody has prompted him. He's just talking. You had me in your hand like this, and you delivered me. How can that be? Now the tables have turned. David is in the place of strength, and Saul is in the place of weakness. Would you allow God to fight your battles for you? Would you fight according to his weapons and allow him to cause you to overcome? For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away? Now David is quiet. You are talking a lot. Why? Because he did you good. Because you overcame your evil with good. May the Lord therefore reward you. Your enemy starts to bless you. May the Lord therefore reward you with good in return for what you have done to me this day. Hey, the man who brought 3,000 people to chase you. Now, he says, may the Lord reward you. May the Lord bless you for the good that you have done to me. And then he begins to prophesy. And now behold, I know that you shall surely be king. And that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. So now, swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me and that you will not destroy my name from my father's household. And David swore to Saul. And Saul went to his home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. The battle has already been won by using God's weapons. And as we walk on in life, every day is a battle. Every time you have opportunity to choose which weapons you want to use. One day, a very good friend of mine Somebody wrote a stinker to me to cut a long story short. And this person had been believing God for a child for like 15 to 18 years. And I used to be her pastor in the micro church. So I used to fast and pray with her every Friday for some time. You know, that God will move on her behalf. The God, after 15 years, she had a baby, a baby girl. And we called the baby miracle because the baby was a miracle. And when she had the baby, she had no clothes, nothing. Very poor lady. So I started to organize. Let's take baby clothes. Let's do this. Let's do that. And then as the baby grew, I realized, oh, this woman doesn't have a job. So I called her. I said, I realize you don't have a job. But the school has an opportunity. You are a teacher, although you are a pupil teacher. But I'll give you the opportunity. Other people have applied. But I think that it will help you. So come for the interview. And then we gave her a place. Work in the school. So she was working. And then she started to vomit some blood. So I said, the teachers told me, so I said, oh, for the children, it's not good. So she has to go and do some tests. Let's find out what it is and let's withdraw her. So I said, we are withdrawing you. But I went to the board and said, we are withdrawing this lady, but she has been good and all that. So I think that while she's undergoing all the tests, we should still pay her. And even Bishop Saki said that, eh, because she's from your ministry and thinks you are bringing new rules and, you know. But 
I prevailed by the grace of God. Now, after the results were in, it came about that this lady had to be laid off because she was not in good health to continue the work. So I went to the board and I said, please give her three months salary so that by the three months, if she has recovered, then she can come back and all that. Again, a lot of whatever, and the board said, if that's the case, then she should resign because that type of sickness doesn't look like whatever. So she should resign and then they'll give her a package. So I told her, the board wants to meet you. She came for the meeting. They told her, resign. This is everything. Okay. Then I got a letter at an Easter convention (laughs) given to me by either her husband or herself. I didn't read the letter. When I got home, I forgot. The next day, we're coming back for the convention. Let me just read the letter. When I read the letter, you are a wicked woman. (laughs) Your, Your penumbra shadows will chase you. As you, 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 you proceed to take this job from me. Hey, things. As I looked at the letter, I said, no. This woman cannot have such diction. She cannot write such a letter. From the type of person I know, and from the way the letter is written, she cannot write it, first of all. Secondly, she cannot type out the letter, arrange it so nicely. There's something wrong. I didn't do law for nothing, you know. So I said, there's something wrong. So when we went to church, I was so agitated, so upset. And I called Bishop Saki to the then bookshop and I said, Bishop Saki, look at this letter. Look at what has been written. But I suspect that this letter is not written by the woman. And not typed out by her either. So I said, how do you know? I said, I know. The evidence is there. I can see it. So you are thinking too far and all that. I just left it, you know. So after church, I showed my husband the letters. What? Penumbra shadows. <laughs> and incidentally, the day before, as I was talking to the husband or the woman who was handing over the letter to me, this my very dear friend reached out over the shoulder of this lady and said, Oh, sister, mommy, a card for you. My very good friend, oh. A card for you. So when she left, I called a meeting. And then I asked the people in the presence of my husband. And I said, Who are the people who know about this letter? The man was saying, oh, but why are you going into all that? I said, no, no, no. We, we finished talking and Bishop was saying that, look, I will not have you write such a letter. It's not fair. My wife has not done whatever to you. So the meeting was over and people were getting up to go. And I said, oh, excuse me. I want to know who wrote the letter for you. Ah. And I said, then my husband said, that meeting is over. Let's go, you know, typical man. I said, oh, I want to know. <laughs> so the lady said, it's my husband who dictated the words and all that. I said, well, okay. But who typed it for you? She was quiet. I said, who typed it for you? Three times. And it was this, my friend, who had said, sister, mommy, a card for you. And I sort of knew it, you know. So, I said, ah. so she typed it for you. Really, that one really broke my heart. So I wept so much. I went home, you know, and because my husband was dismissing the meeting, I decided that I would just live my own life and think about my own troubles and talk to my God. Amen, ladies. So, then I I called Bishop Saki and I said, do you know that this letter was written by... What? It can't be. You know, surprise. It can't be. How do you know? I said, the woman said it. So he called the woman. Did you say... Oh, yes. So I called the lady and I said, you wrote this letter? You typed this letter out for the lady. She said, oh, sister, mom, it was even worse. I took some of the insults out. 
I said, I just want to know. And, and the letter said, she didn't meet any board. You just got up and what was ah. But even the facts that you were typing. Pastor Boche is here. No, no, she had even given the board members copies. So, Pastor Boche is here. This person is here. Ask them whether she didn't meet the board. She met the board. We told her about me. She was being partial to her and all that. But anyway, so I said, so did you not think when you were typing this letter? And you are telling me that you removed some of the insults. Did you not? She said, I don't know what came over me. I just don't know. The only problem is that she's from my hometown. <laughs> so maybe. I tell you, my heart was broke. I said, me, ministry. <laughs> Care for people. Bring people up. This is it. This lady herself, before the one who typed the letter, even the lady who wrote the letter was like, but the one who typed the letter, my own familiar friend with whom I ate bread and went to the house of God. I tell you, it wasn't easy. And then another even lady pastor was roped in. And that one too, I just called the lady and I said, so who did you seek advice from? I said, oh, this other lady, because I had seen them talking, also from same hometown. This time. But this other one was a closer friend to me. So the next day, it was Easter Monday or so, I was in my house. Then she came. I have a visitor. So I went to the city room. And she knelt down. She was crying. I don't know what came over me. Forgive me. And I also wept and said, you know, it's not that I can't forgive you, but to trust again and to be friends again. But I pray for grace that I'll be able to flow with you again. You know, and... My husband went out to play golf and then went to visit this sister who typed the letter to comfort her. Can you imagine? Oh, the way she feels bad. The way she feels bad. I have to encourage her. Amen, ladies. I said it as well. So this lady... She also earlier could not give birth. So many things I've been, I had been through with her. But I prayed for grace. It's not easy. And I remember memorizing Matthew 5, 41. Love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. That's why I know the four categories. So it's not by verse. It's by walking the road. Amen. So I decided, God, heal my heart and help me. Even though my emotions don't seem to match up, I'm just going to obey you and my emotions will follow. And I tell you, we are still the best of friends today. <laughs> Hallelujah. And she says to me, when I hear that story on tape, I don't like it. I said, but it's true. <laughs> Come off it. It's true. So stop those things. Her husband also made it. Worse. When she told me that she typed the letter, even me, I became afraid of her sister man. <laughs> but I thank God. That I had the grace to overcome evil with good. It would have aborted my ministry. It would have aborted, it would have changed my heart. It would have brought bitterness and all that. But I overcame evil with good. You know, and sometimes when she speaks to me, she says, Sister Mabe, I just want you to know, you know, she's not even referring to that incident, but says, I just want you to know that I just feel that your work is real and your whatever, and I've been able to. Help her along. She's been released into ministry. And I travel with her and all that. I know your mind is roving. You will never know the person. <laughs> because there's no indication to that. But I say to you, love your enemies. 
do good to them that hate you and pray for them that despitefully use you. I had other weapons to share with you, but our time is up. The next weapon is the weapon of good counsel. (laughs) The weapon of good counsel. Hallelujah. All these don't look so powerful. And they look so... Proverbs 20 verse 18. Hey, people, you like Boston, so Proverbs 20, verse 18. So you see me, my life looks so perfect. I look like nothing touches me, but I tell you, it ain't always easy. Proverbs 20, verse 18. Every purpose is established by counsel, and with good advice, make war. <laughs> Hallelujah. Every purpose. Hmm. Is established by counsel and with good advice, make war. Time is almost up. Eh? <laughs> Second Samuel 15. I'll just tell you the story. You may not be able to read it, but it's the story of when David was chased out by Absalom. And when he was going, he said to Husha the Akite, who was his friend, that go back and stay with Absalom. So that when there's any counsel from Ahitophel, that counsel will be destroyed. Because I, I know Ahitophel, he's a powerful man and his counsel can win the war. When we look at 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 31. Now someone told David, saying, Ahitophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, oh Lord, I pray, make the counsel of Ahitophel foolishness. Amen. So he sent Hushai the Archites and Ahitophel counseled Absalom that, no, let's all descend on David with 12,000 men. We'll capture your father. And the most important man in the war is the king. When we capture him, all Israel will return to you. That was Ahitophel's counsel. He was a good counselor. And Hushai the Archite was there. But he was there, but he was not with Absalom. His heart was not with Absalom. So he realized that if they follow Ahitophel's counsel, they will win the war. So he turned the council and said, no, don't do that. Your father is a strong man. He wouldn't even sleep in the same tent with the people. He will go far away and then he will attack the people. And when the Israelites hear it, they'll say that the camp of Absalom has been overcome. And so it's not good advice. So Husha the Archite knew that was good advice, but he turned it round so that the battle will be won for David. And when Ahitophel heard that his council had not been taken, the Bible said he set his house in order and went and killed himself just by counsel because he knew the power of good counsel. Many of you, you either receive good counsel and throw it away or you don't even ask for counsel at all. If I had not walked by good counsel, I would have missed my blessing in marrying my husband because my mother told me that as for guns, they are boxes. This man you are going to marry he will beat you every day to pulp. And she said, look at the boxes in Ghana. Oblite Kome, Aikote, DK Poison, Azuma Nelson. They are all gas. Is that the tribe you want to go in? And I kept telling my mother, I said, it's because you don't know the person. You have not even met the person. Now you say that he is gone, he is this, he is that. When he comes, he greets you. Your, your hello is very silent. But when the fancy boys greet you, then you ask them, would you like milkshake? What flavor? 
But I also had good counsel from my roommate, Lady Pastor Adelaide. She used to say that, you know, see beyond these things that are being said. See God's face. Pray. I believe that God's hand is in it. And some of my friends said to me, eh, what is that uh, skinny fair boy? Is he the one? <laughs> Amen. And I didn't even know what God would make out of our lives. But I believe that the good counsel helped me. Amen. And I just said, yeah, I think that like Joker, but I can see a goodly thing. So I will pray about this goodly thing. And I didn't marry till I had parental counsel, but I tried to open my mother's eyes. Also, my father, he was very strict, so I was even too terrified to speak to him. But one day, just before I finished my final year in law school, oh, the people have stopped showing me. That. My father said to me, I see that this guy has been visiting you. At first, he was very angry. I don't want this Lebanese boy in my house. <laughs> and I told him, Daddy, he's not a Lebanese boy. Somebody was saying he's gone. Somebody else says he's a Lebanese boy. <laughs> but my husband bought me a car from his scholarship that he got in the medical school. When he came on the exchange program, he used all the money to buy me a car. And finally, I was not his wife yet. So, and the registration number was WR because I came from the Western region. You know? So, my father came to visit me once and then saw the car. And said, where is the car? I said, it's for my friend. Which friend? is? I said, oh, some friend I have in the medical schools. Ah, that fair boy. Okay, you know. And then later he said, ah, but this car, he said, it's for your friend. Now it's parked in the house. Ah. I said, oh, he says that I can use it and that it's a gift and all that. My father said, I see. Then he said to me, has he ever spoken to you about marriage? And I said, all the time. All the time. And my father said, like what? So he wants us to marry. We should set the date. When is the date? And my father said, that is a good man. Marry him. Marry him. Marry him. Marry him. That's a man that needs business. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that by good counsel, make war. But many of you, you make war with foolish counsel. You call foolish people to give you foolish advice. Hallelujah. And what should I do? Give it to him. Let him know that you are you. Let him know that. And then you destroy and scramble your whole life. But the Bible says that in a multitude of counsel, the decision will lie with you, but the counsel will come from other people. And you have to weigh the counsel, whether it is godly counsel. It may be difficult, but it may still be godly counsel. It may be difficult, but it may still be God's plan for your life. Hallelujah. But you need to know the counselor who is counseling you. Most of you, your friends are somewhere. And they are the last people you should ask for advice from. They are even, you can see that they keep failing and they are failing. They never do anything by any scripture or any verse. But they are your personal Holy Ghost. Because the Bible says the Holy Ghost is a counselor. But you have replaced the Holy Ghost with that foolish woman, that foolish man. And that friend who will tell you what you want to hear. But the one who tells you, that saith the Lord. This is what God is saying. You don't hear. 
Sometimes I cancel the young ladies. People are proposing to them. Say, Lady Pastor, I don't like him. Why? He's bald. How does his baldness... Come into the marriage picture. I don't see it. But he's a good man. He loves God. He's dedicated to you. When I open my eyes, I want to see her, not him. <laughs> By good counsel, make war. Stand to your feet. <laughs> Amen. Shall we pray? <laughs> God knew that we needed counsel. That is why one of the primary duties of the Holy Ghost is that he will be a counselor. We all need to live by counsel. Not counsel in everything you want to hear, but sometimes even what you don't want to hear is a blessing to you. By good counsel, make war. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. There are many more weapons that God gives us, including even the weapon of being stable emotionally. But we couldn't go into that. But I pray that the Lord would touch your heart and make you whole. Pray that, Lord, help me to use the weapons you give me and not my own manufactured and man-made weapons. That don't get me far. I can see that David prevailed just by heaping coals of fire on Saul's head. It provoked a prophecy. It provoked a prayer. It provoked a blessing. And Lord... I want to fight by your weapons and your tools, not by my own. There's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is death. Pray that you will see the weapons that God has made available and you will use them. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that the weapons you give us don't look powerful, but they are mighty through you to the pulling down of strongholds, to the setting in place of our future and our destinies. I pray that we will not be foolish women, nor foolish men, but I pray that we will see the wisdom of your word and of the things that you tell us. Transform our lives. Let bitterness, offense, and self-preservation and self-help projects that are not of you give way to your way of doing things. I curse every rebellious spirit, every rebellious and stubborn spirit, every spirit that does not yield to the dictates of the Holy Spirit. We bow down. We cause them to bow so that the ways of God will take preeminence. And we thank you for answered prayer in Jesus' name. Every eye closed, every head bowed. You are here this morning. You don't know Jesus as your personal savior. You are not sure whether you will go to heaven or hell when you die. You want to say, lady pastor, pray for me. I want to be sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell. I want to be sure that I'll go to heaven. Please pray for me. I want to straighten out my life with God. I want to start all over again. You are here like that today. Lady Pastor, pray for me. I need prayer. I need to start all over with Jesus. I need to make a commitment. I need to be sure whether I'm going to heaven when I die. If you are here like that today, please slip up your hand and I'll pray with you. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to mean this prayer from your heart. Let it be your own personal prayer to the throne of God. And please have faith in your heart that it's going to God in heaven. Say after me, dear Jesus, this morning, I come to you just as I am. Please cleanse me by your blood and make me whole. 
Receive me into your family. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I receive him as the Lord of my life. Satan, I break every hold. I break every link with you. Christ has set me free. I'm free indeed. And my name is written in the book of life in accordance with God's promise. Thank you, Lord, for a new beginning, a new page, a new chapter in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.